Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports, friend of the show. And Bobby, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How you doing? No problem, man. How are you? And we're doing good. I know it's uh, a lot of craziness with football right now, but, man, basketball has been a, a wild one. And I'm curious because I've been thinking about this, and I don't know if maybe it's just the times I pay attention or uh, just it happens to be convenient, but it certainly seems like this year, around this time of year, you've had a lot more, quote, mid-major teams upsetting some big-time, highly-ranked teams on their home court more so than this year. I know Arkansas suffered it. I know Kentucky had it happen. Uh, have you kind of viewed that a little bit and seen that a little bit more, or is it just something that happens every year and I just don't pay attention? I think it kind of happens every year. Because like, remember a couple of years ago, like Stephen F. Austin won at Duke. And that was like right around, I think, this week and maybe next week when there was not much going on. I think it just gets lost because, what, after this weekend, college basketball kind of takes a break for a couple of weeks of finals and Christmas and everything like that. So it's easy to forget about because all of a sudden, you know, you have the NFL playoffs starting, you have college football playoffs, bowl games, and then it's conference season in college basketball to where you're like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, uh, Kansas, Texas play tonight. And you forget, like, wait a minute, what happened three weeks ago? Like, when did this happen? So I think it gets, it, like, as much as I complain about college basketball getting overshadowed and, and how the season is kind of laid out, if, you, if your team loses, it kind of does help. Bobby, what are some of the bigger upsets that have stood out to you so far this season? Yeah, I mean, obviously, UNC Wilmington at Kentucky. Um, it, for Arkansas, I don't, I don't know if they really would get up there yet for me in terms of, of some of the upsets. You know, it's not a huge upset, but what Colorado State did to Creighton, holding them under 50, one by 20, that's up there. Um, and, uh, Purdue Northwestern, you know, that's a conference team. I won't, it's an upset, but I wouldn't put it to that level. Nova finishing sixth in the big big five, like which was a physical impossibility until this year. So, I, I, like I, you know, the homer in me wants to say Kentucky, you know, losing at home to, to Wilmington, but that might just be the right answer. Well, what do you think that? Because uh, some people have said about you know maybe these mid majors because of transfer portals and because of everything, it's like that their games and their teams have been elevated a whole lot, which I think there could be some truth to that. We see it happen a lot of times, of course, in the NCAA tournament uh, alone. But then you also have other people too of just saying, well, you know, you got experienced guys versus new teams with new players on it. Just uh, with all that happening, do you think that there's any merit to all of those reasons given as far as some of these college basketball teams at home who may have more talent, but losing to some teams that may have a bunch of experienced guys have been playing together a long time. So for me, it's two things. One, there are a lot of spots, right? You hear gamblers talk about it. You hear it, you know, all the time, wipe down spot, get up spot, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of these big teams, I mean, I'm just, I pulled up some of the biggest upsets in case I was forgetting any. And I did forget some because it's been that way. We're kind of like the prototypical letdown spot where you have this by game sandwiched between you know, two big games or or right before a big game. And I think that plays a role in it because, you know, you look, Mississippi State loses to Southern, LSU, Nickel State, Ford Atlantic, Bryant, like Jackson State beating Missouri. You know, there's just all of them. When you look across major, major conference leagues, 
of just going, okay, well, who they play before, who they play after. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But then at the same time, I do think the transfer portal plays a huge, huge role in it where these mid-majors are getting former high-major players, high-major talent, an influx of talent in, you know, it's come because there's more players in college basketball than ever because of the free COVID year that guys are staying together longer. They're going to, the talent bumps down a little bit in the sense of, you know, there's only so many spots at high major teams that, that you lose one or two guys, but they got to go somewhere. And then it just happens. And, and it's kind of what everyone used to always blame on freshmen. Well, that's not the case anymore, right? Rarely do you see these freshman teams happen I know, I know Kentucky has it this year, Duke to a degree, but other than that, there's, that's not a thing across the country. But I think those two things, I think it's spots, and then just the, 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 the portal is playing a role in it. What are some of the teams you look at in college basketball to say that they have it all? They can play inside out, they can shoot it well, they're just a well-constructed team? Yeah, so I think right now, if you look at like the Tier 1 teams, I think it's UConn, Arizona, Marquette, and I'd probably put Houston there. Those are the four to me. Um, obviously, it's early in the season still, and, and, and it fluctuates. Those are the four that feel like they're kind of separating a little bit. Purdue, close to that. Um, Baylor, I think, is close to that. Kansas is probably close to that, but they still need a, you know, I don't love that Kansas team. And then you even look, you know, like you could say Kentucky, but they, they take the bad loss. So I don't know if they're close to that. BYU's just gaining the metrics. It seems like Creighton, you know, then tier two is all bunched up. But I think those four teams, 99% of people would agree with, are the current four best teams in college basketball. Speaking with Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports here on Out of Bounds. And, and Bobby, you know, you mentioned some of the teams. I'm curious also about conferences. I always think it's fascinating to see uh, people argue about, well, well, this basketball conference is better than this basketball conference. And some of these conferences are always going to be really good because of particular teams. But right. do you feel like that there is one conference that stands alone? Or do you think that there's a lot of conferences that have a really good say on them saying, hey, we're the best conference in college basketball right now? Nah, there's a clear-cut answer. It's the Big 12. And it's been the Big 12 for the last few years. I mean, you look, you have Houston, Baylor, Kansas, BYU. Oklahoma's really good. Ohio State, you know, 6-2. and two. TCU's undefeated. Cincinnati's undefeated. Granted, they haven't played, you know, a, a bunch of teams. Texas, who I don't love, but they're going to be in and out of rankings. Kansas State, they're going to be in and out of the rankings, plus they just never lose overtime games. They have, like, two bad teams, and their bad teams are Oklahoma State and West Virginia. West Virginia, I understand why they're bad, right? Uh, everything that happened with Huggins, whatever. Oklahoma State, they just can't put it together. But it's like, look at the bad team at the other major conferences, and then look at the top teams, and and, and, and the Big 12 is, is pretty clear-cut the best. Like they, You're not beating that top that they have, and the bottom doesn't bottom out. Like when you look at, I don't know, let's just say the Pac-12, they, they bottom out. Oregon State, Macau, you know, Big East has DePaul, ACC has Louisville, SEC, Vandy, like, they bottom out way more than, than to me what the Big 12 does. Where would you put the Big East in, in that pecking order? Because, you know, that's one that is particular to basketball. Like, we think about football, we're thinking about Power 5 conferences, but Big East and basketball, they're usually pretty strong. Yeah, I think they're third. 
you can make a case for second, but it's like, you know, Big 12, clear one. Then you can really debate SEC, Big East, maybe the Big 10 um, as, as like that next, you know, the next best. But the Big East, I mean, they have multiple national title contenders. They're bad, bad. Like Georgetown and DePaul are bad. Like Butler's improved. St. John's has the best coach in America in Patino. Xavier's struggling this year, but I think Sean Miller's awesome. He's just such an underrated coach. And then, like, you know, Creighton, Marquette, and UConn are, are three really, really good teams, reigning national champs. They're, they're the second most fun conference, I think, outside of the Big 12. Like, if you want to watch offense, they have some of the best offense you can go watch. I think I, the Big East is fine. It's going to be fine. Like, DePaul will always be DePaul, always be DePaul but – when you look at those coaches, you can make a case the Big East has the best coaches in America. You know, I saw you made a little bit of a, a joke, but with dealing with Tom Izzo and uh, you know him talking about, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he says, "quote You hold them and they don't score and get 19 second chance points. That shouldn't happen to us. I'm getting soft. Maybe we'll get back to normal a little bit. And quit worrying about the lawyers and get back to what we're doing. The whole thing is my fault." And uh, you're talking about him having the soft talk. It seems like that's a reoccurring thing for Tom Izzo. Every and, year, yeah, every year. I don't know, man. Your team stinks. Like, that's just stop blaming yourself. Like, he gets so upset. Like, I know he's trying to defend his players, but it's like they're his team. I went and looked at his every season that he's coached at Michigan State. This is easily, from a percentage standpoint, the worst shooting team and the worst rebounding team. John, those are two pretty important things, especially at Michigan State, that he's ever had. Like, this team just is not good. And yeah, part of it is, is though because he wants to play like 42 big men at a time, refuses to play freshmen. And listen, I know this will backfire. I know Michigan State will be a nine seed and make me like the elite eight. But this team's not good. Isn't that the story of Michigan State every year? Though it's like, what you know, you you see what you get, and you know that. Izzo is the type of coach that gets the most out of his players, and it's always ugly basketball. Does he, though? Hold on a second. I got a complaint with that. Okay. Because he he does not get the most out of his players. He he had a team with a defensive player of the year in the NBA, and multiple other NBA players, and they scored like 48 points against the zone because he, he refused to play the smart lineup. Like, he does not get the most out of his players. He gets the most out of some undervalued players, but when he has talent, he is not great with it. Oh, hey, Bobby. Um, Bobby, there's no doubt that his players do seem to look a lot better on the NBA level. But it's just yeah, that right. they, always, they always seem so underrated and underappreciated when they're in college. And maybe that is because of him. I, like, to me, he just <laughs> – there's a whole thing with Izzo, and, and, and I think he's, he really benefited from – just making Final Fours, which credit to him, like that, that matters. But he, like, he is not, he's developed undervalued talent, but he's really struggled when he has talent. This year, everyone just assumed because they have his, though, they return everybody. They were a seven seed last year. It's not like Marquette, who was a two seed and returned everybody, or Purdue is a one seed and returned everybody. They were a seven seed. They were a very average team a year ago. He brought in talented freshmen, and he's not playing Xavier Booker. Cohen Carr should be playing a lot more. Like, at some point, Izzo has got to adapt. And then also, like, we got to stop just overvaluing, oh, they return everybody when they were an average team a year before. And it happens a lot with an Izzo coach team. 
but they don't make that jump, and and part of that's on his. Well, Bobby, also uh, looking at it from uh, this weekend too. You know, we mentioned a few teams, a few games, but it seems like uh, there's some pretty good SEC matchups against quality teams. Of course, we mentioned Arkansas and Oklahoma. But you uh, also can throw into the mix uh, Tennessee and Illinois facing off against each other. you got Alabama and Purdue that are going to be going at it. And even uh, a Missouri-Kansas, which we know is always a, a rivalry there. But uh, between all those teams. Kansas te- State, LSU, too. Like, oh, yeah. If, if LSU wins that, also, like, you know, that bottom of the SEC looks a lot a lot better. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the Florida, they play Richmond. Richmond's a decent, eight, you know, not mid-major, but like that middle of nowhere conference like the A ten where you you know you can get, you'll call them a mid major but they're not a power conference. It's a it's a big weekend for the for the SEC because this is this depends what happened in college basketball. Who wins the non conference and then that really helps during conference play in terms of seeding. Like what made the Big East so good the last few years is is they would win so many of these non conference games and then when, you know, teams would beat up on each other well, that's not a bad loss because look look at what they did. You know, this team beat XYZ and they're only losing in conference, whatever. That matters. Like, that matters when you start looking at the committee and everything, too. So, it, it's a big weekend for the SEC because we're coming up to the end of, of conference play. So, if they win some of these games and all of a sudden, you know, Memphis, Texas A&M on, on Sunday, and there's another one where, okay, they, they have the winning percentage. They have these notable wins. Now you go into conference play, and, and that loss to an LSU doesn't look as bad. That helps the conference, and, and that's just a fact. That's just how college basketball is set up right now, which you know why I would love more non-conference games later in the year. What do you think of the matchups for the NBA in-season tournament, the semifinals, Pacers-Bucks, Lakers-Pelicans? Just give me, you know, give me the Pacers-Pelicans because why not? I hope the Pelicans win it because, you know, as a Knicks fan, I don't want the Bucks to win it. I don't want the, I sure don't want the Pacers to win it. And then I'm sick. I, I hate the Lakers. So I hope the Pelicans win it, but it, 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 they're fun. Like the Pacers are the most fun team in the NBA. Um, and the, like the Pelicans are just this young team that, hey, maybe this leads to something later in the season. So, I, you know, I know the NBA and money wants, wants Bucks, Lakers, but give me the fun matchup. Give me Pacers, Pelicans. It's just, just be a fun matchup. Well, it's funny. I did see that uh, with the the Pacers and the Bucks with the in uh, in season semifinal. It's the highest over under that's been set since 1991 at 257 points and a half. Like that is incredible. Like when it comes to the it high is. scoring. And I love it. Like I know everyone's like, oh, the, the defense. Listen, I you know, I grew up in the 90s. I I can I can love good defense, but also like it kind of gets boring watching NBA games in the game. Give me. Give me like what when it's two teams like that, and I know it happened earlier this year too with the Hawks and Pacers, and they smashed the over. It's just fun. It's just fun to watch really, really good offense, and that's what the Pacers have. For the in-season tournament, uh, what do you think as far as the success rate? There were some people that were against it, people that don't understand it still, but it seems like it's it's garnered a lot of interest in the NBA season so far. Yeah, I think people who are are talking bad about it just do it because it's the nba and and they have premeditated thoughts everything nba related but i think it's been great like it you have people you know the complaint is they don't they don't try during the regular season well they're all trying like they're they're they're, they're, they clearly care i think it could be set up better where 
you know, I would, you know, make it a true tournament, make it like the NCAA tournament with a random draw. Like, I, I wish it wasn't East versus West because we already have that. Make it a random draw. You know, you can mix a little bit of soccer and, and, and NCAA tournament in there where, you know, you're seated into different pots, like the World Cup is based on how good you are. And then that's how you get, you know, seated out that way on random draws. I'd rather have that and, and just make it a week, you know, in Vegas and, set it up that way. And I, I think you would draw even more people's interest, but listen, ratings are up. Players care more. They're, you know, quote, trying harder in, in the regular season. That I, I don't know how you look at this and say it's not a win for, for what, what season one is. Of this. Yeah. Cause that was something that like, I, I always, always give credit to, you know, commissioners or whoever, if it's like they got a issue or if there's something that they could do better on, they just try something. And even if it doesn't work, it's like they're, at least they're putting in the effort and trying and that's kind of the vibe I get with uh, this in-season tournament, which, you know, if you've been watching it and enjoying it, you know, it's one thing. But it's like, I feel like it's going to do nothing but help out when and bringing some right. attention to it. And it's year one. Like, clearly they're going to tweak it. It's just it's year one. It's trial and error, right? What works. Right now, obviously, everyone's complaining. Like, I know Nick fans and, and players are complaining because their reward for getting out of their group was an extra game that counts towards the regular season standing at Milwaukee and at Boston. So the Knicks only have 40 home games. That doesn't make sense where it's like, wait, if you win, why are you, you know, why are you getting a, a, something that could hurt you later on in the year? So th- there's a way to tweak this. But I think for year one, it's, it's, it's more than fine. It's, it's, been, it's been a success. Yeah, I, can't, I think that it's going to be something that continues to be a success as time goes on. And uh, who knows how it plays out. But no doubt that, you know, a time where basketball is not maybe on the forefront of people's minds of college or NBA. It certainly brought some attention with some of the upsets in college basketball and some of For these sure. uh, in these tournaments, and then same thing with the NBA. So it's been really great. But, uh, Bobby, as always, it's great to talk to you as well and enjoy basketball season as it continues on. And pretty soon it will be on the forefront of everybody's mind. But enjoy uh, the next few weeks, man. We'll be catching up with you and have a happy holiday. All right. Have a good one, guys.